Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast. Before we get into the episode, uh, we've got a couple things in our mailbag. First, a message from our friend Ben Bird about the Piece of Dirt episode. Hey Greg, it's Ben Bird. I was just calling about the Piece of Dirt episode. I just wanted to say that I thought the covers for that episode were amazing. They were fantastic. They were some of the best that I've heard. Every single one of them, start to finish, uh, were great, and the artists who put them together deserve nothing but praise. Thank you for bringing attention to them, and keep up the great work, man. I love your podcast. I agree. It was a really strong collection of covers for Piece of Dirt. Uh, seems like uh, the deep cuts kind of uh, bring out the very creative cover types of artists, and uh, though I must say I'm biased towards uh, the uh, Romanesque cover. <laughs> uh, we've also got a message from Belinda Van Helden in Sydney, Australia. Uh, she sent a message saying, Hi Greg, thank you for making an eight-hour road trip entertaining for me by giving me lots of episodes to binge on while driving. I was listening to the My Man episode, which was highly entertaining, until the point where it was commented that the Johns never mentioned cats. I was shouting at you, willing you to remember, did the cat turn on the dishwasher? Even when you looked it up, it didn't come up. That was frustrating. Uh, laughing emoji. Had to bring it to your attention. Otherwise, it was a great way to pass the time. Thanks. Uh, so, <laughs> I messaged Belinda back, and yeah, I had completely forgotten about I Am Invisible. And I don't think I mentioned swing is the word either with uh, where's my cat's pajamas. And uh, Belinda said, of course, all the cat references come to you when it's too late. Well, it was a bold statement that they never talk about cats. And I agree. It was bold and foolish. Uh, so <laughs> thanks for writing, Belinda. And anyone can call us at 224-801-2930. Uh, you can email this might be a pod at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Uh, and with that, on to the episode. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song by song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with long awaited guest. Matt Miller from the Homeless Gospel Choir, and we are going to talk about the song Minimum Wage. I don't think you can just say that title. You basically have to yell. Hey but there we go. Minimum Wage. Hey
And then you need the whip too. So I, I should have done the whip after. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whip rule. I forgot to tell you that. I do have a whip here. <laughs> My dad. My brother whipped uh, the a light bulb out of the out of the ceiling one time. It's pretty sick. <laughs> they work. Is what I'm like, saying. Like intentionally or an accident? Um, a little bit of a, a little bit of b. Uh, he, <laughs> He would come home, we would. We were very young, and he would come home and find the whip and whip it around for a while. And then uh, <laughs> then he whipped the light bulb, and that was the last time he did it. So I feel like maybe it was either good enough, so he didn't have to do it anymore, or it was an accident. But yeah, whatever it was. Now is this like, one of, man, your, your dad is the badass dad. Right? We got a, a pic of you in front of his motorcycle. He's got he, a he made the whip. whip. Yeah, he made the whip. Yeah, yeah. He made the whip. He did. Yeah. Oh, man. As far as my memory is concerned. Yeah, yeah. Man, the, Mil- the Miller household growing up sounds like a pretty crazy badass place where you could get hurt but have a lot of fun doing it. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, man. So uh, so I came across you. This is a pretty common story at this point with my uh, horrible, um, you know, bookkeeping and, and whatever you want to call it, like towards the beginning of the podcast run um where and and everyone knows now when i get new guests on my spreadsheet i put the date that they signed up for it on the spreadsheet so i know how long they're waiting because for for most people they wait about a year like that's that's kind of normal but i saw your name i'm like wait a minute I'm like looking through flood tracks. I'm like, well, because, you know, I didn't want to do all the flood tracks at once and, and whatever. So a right. lot of people that those got signed up for like immediately. And then a lot of people have waited on those because I didn't want to do them all in a row. And I'm like, wait a minute. Let me look back through. Let's see. How did I talk to him? Was it uh, Twitter? Was it email? Was it Facebook? Okay. It was Facebook. And then I scroll back to the beginning of our message. And it is, let me see exactly. Um, April 30th, 2020. That sounds about right. Right when we were all locked down. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And, I, and I'm sure I was listening to a lot of podcasts and found yours. <laughs> and then I'm sure <laughs> that because I think that's, that was my podcast heyday too, right? Right when a record was coming out and you couldn't tour it, so you had to talk about it. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I think I was just feeling brave enough to reach out and say, I want to talk about They Might Be Giants, because uh, my partner and I have said everything we need to say about them at this point. Let's talk to a stranger <laughs> about it. So I was no help, I was no help in uh, helping you um, promote that record, but uh, does Homeless Gospel Choir have a newer record since then? Yeah. Yeah, we put out... Oh, we put out one in September, I want to say, like October or September. So, yeah, that one's okay. Mm-hmm. Should we play cool. something off it? We should, huh? Um, yeah. It's called, that record's called Fourth Dimension Intervention. Okay. I'm trying to think of the, I'm trying to think of the one with the cleverest wordplay. Uh, because we're on a, they <laughs> What's might, the most, they might be giantish. I know. What is the giant yeah. F? one of them all um i don't know i like which one do i like today today i like one called a chameleon sometimes let's do that a chameleon sometimes 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 Sometimes. all right let's check it out
Okay, so at least I'm helping you promote a still semi, uh, you know, new record. It's still fairly fresh. Yeah, you know. So wait, you're not on tour right now, are you? You said you're passing through. No, but your parents? Uh, we remember this got pushed back a year or three years and a week or two. <laughs> uh, I was on tour whenever we were going to do it the first time, but now I am not. Now I am actually back home. I'm going to be recording with my other band, Endless Mike and the Beagle Club. Uh, all weekend so i mean the beagle club yeah oh i love that yeah i used to have a beagle my favorite yes so did my dad this plot thickens this is just that they they might be a my dad podcast (laughs) you got a rad dad is he around let's get him on the show instead of you where is he <laughs> I don't think he has much to say about they might be giants, unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, that would be good. Okay, so I guess then that leads us into your uh They Might Be Giants fandom story. So I guess yeah. your dad wasn't red dad rad enough to be the one to get you into They Might Be Giants. How'd you <laughs> But yeah, I won't fault him for that. Um so how did you get into the band? I think I probably heard about them. I think you how we're probably about the same age. I think I probably the first time I knew what they were at all was probably either like Tiny Toons whenever they did cartoon on the on the cartoon ones. So I kind of mm-hmm. knew what 91. they were. Yeah, that would have been mm-hmm. that would definitely be. It. Uh is that when that came out? The Tiny Toons thing? That episode like, right uh, well, like you're making me feel like I should double check. Uh, I'm just curious. Yeah, I wonder if they <laughs> I didn't know it was that soon after Flood came out. That's cool. Um, let's see. Yep, February 1st, yeah. 1991. Cool. Fresh record. See? They're still getting press off their fairly fresh record yeah. at that point, too. They are. <laughs> yeah, now, you know, Flood needed some more press. It's a good thing we're doing this episode because yeah. people haven't I'm heard of that Tunes. one. Tiny Tunes was giving them some uh, Yeah, some old, like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Holy late hype. Yeah, so probably that, but I don't think I was into music yet. Like, I didn't really, like, like it wasn't my entire fucking personality yet, you know? <laughs> right. So, uh, and then probably a couple years later when I was in high school, uh, my friend Justin Simba, who would drive us to high school because he lived 
we lived between school and him. So he had the car, would get in the car, and he had a copy of Flood. And that's how I heard Flood for the first time. Liked it a lot. Um, and then, you know, whenever we were in school, it was still CDs time. And, you know, every like Christmas time, it would be like, what do you want for Christmas? So then you just kind of pick like things you wouldn't buy on your own. And that would be either things that you don't know if they're going to be any good or not, or they're too expensive for you. So uh, we had sure. then the first two records collection, and mm -hmm. that's what really did it for me when I got that. So those two records plus the miscellaneous tea plus all the weirdo. If you could even imagine that there's weirder shit than those two records, that's what was so great about about them. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That what got me I it. know. It's such. It's it's a. It's it's strangely a common story. I, I, I say strangely that then gets people into the band because that is really like trial by fire territory. I mean, yeah, totally. I guess I, I like how both CDs are set up where it's like, I mean, not that the Pink album and Lincoln aren't weird enough, but like it eases you in with the album and then should really gets bizarre mm -hmm. in the B-sides and EP tracks. And then, and even, kind of and then I feel like, yeah, and then even the way that that record is collected because it's like the B-Sides album split in half plus uh -huh. all this extra stuff. So it was just like this really... And a big long book with a bunch of really great stories that they had. In yeah. And they've put out a lot of collections since then, but that is like the essential uh, collection. And I, I still to this day do not own a... Like a, a single, like a standalone CD copy of Pink Elm or a standalone Lincoln. I have them both uh, individually on vinyl, but th those are the two that I don't have on CD. I even am still collecting CDs, getting all the EPs from the like the Electra days and all that kind of stuff. But I do not have standalone Pink or Lincoln because got them on then. Yeah, you know? me too. I never, I never, yeah, I never spent my money on it because somebody already bought me the expensive one. So yeah. Plus, I do like the way it it's even more material. It just gets stranger and deeper. And yeah. By the end of it, you're either, yeah, you are in or out, like you said, job <laughs> by fire. You're in or you're out by the end of that record. Yeah. But they really got me then, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm 41. You think, are you uh, in your 40s I have the same yet? age as me. Yep, 41. There we go. The okay. The class of 99. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Last of the millennium. Um, Remember that movie? The Willennium. Did yeah. uh, did you remain a true They Might Be Giants fan throughout, or was there any wavering in your journey of fandom? Well, I think that when I started getting into them, was, like, you know, I did go back and get those records, but by then, I think John Henry and Factory Showroom were already out, and, and uh, obviously Apollo, and I think that so I think like severe tire damage was the first record that came out like in real time for me to like go by on that first Tuesday I could do, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. then I got to see them on twice on severe tire damage. And they were honestly, they were like, it was great. It was such, so awesome to see it. But I think by then I realized that they were a full band now and they weren't just the two, two people named John making the strangest right. that I've ever heard to drop <laughs> machines. And I think that from that point on, I kind of like 
just I, I think I just kind of prefer when they're the duo. So I didn't really. I bet like Mink Car was probably the last one I like bought. You know. Mm. But I'm to familiar. this day. Yes, to this day. Yeah. Oh. I am familiar, I am familiar with a lot of their, with their with their more current stuff and everything. But yeah, as far as like where am I like obsession? I feel like Severe Tire Damage was a nice like cap to just be like new phase for their career. I'm gonna and get obsessed with other. <laughs> strange things instead of capping off your fandom 25 years ago <laughs> absolutely yeah 100 son of a <laughs> that was me i regret nothing <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i'd probably still be only listening to them and the pixies you know what i mean so, yeah i did this i mean yeah that was another big reason i got into they might be giants was there was a an interview with frank black where he said that uh-huh. Flood was like stuck in his in his his car cassette player on a uh-huh. tour, and he had <laughs> yep. nothing else to listen to. And I think that that made me take them more seriously too, because at that point, Pixies were my, and they are still my favorite band. Frank Black is still my favorite. So, what he oh, says yeah. goes. Cool. So yeah, yeah I, there, I mean, helped. there's a lot of a uh, lot tying them together. Yeah, I mean they've mm-hmm. they've played together. They, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's the most recent collaboration, but he was a, uh, he judged a music video competition, uh, that like fans submitted music videos in, uh, what year did he do that one? I want to say 2015. Okay. Probably going to check that and be wrong, but yeah. Uh, so he, they're still, uh, still, still pals. Yeah. Very cool. But um, I, you know, I would I would recommend checking out some of their newer stuff. I mean, for for me, I mean, you dropped off right before uh, the Else in two thousand seven right. was like their uh, their Bush record, so to speak. You know, and they don't get too yeah. um, specifically political because I don't think they want to like lock themselves into like a time frame. But it's just um, darker and like more guitar based. Um, yeah, it loses points for yeah. having not a single accordion song on the record, but it That's is an I mean, amazing yeah. album. I, 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 yeah, I like their, I like them much, much more whenever their instrumentation is weirder. So like whenever they're just like a five oh, sure. piece off band, they're awesome. But like it's not. Then I'm looking, then I'm looking other places for those kind of that yeah. kind of art. You know what I mean? Sure, I sure. The accordion still gets love. The accordion hasn't hasn't disappeared. You know, yeah. completely. Yeah. Um, he's got a pretty sick little uh, red accordion. His main squeeze, he calls it. Very cool. Uh, these nice. days, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. liked the long tall weekend. Was that the first like free one that they put out? They put like online. It was. Yeah, with, it was. Like, uh, it was. Uh huh. It was um, uh, MP3 only. It was. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. The, so that was the thing. last one, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, that was a nice weird one too. That was a, a, a weird kind of um, debated point within the fandom too, as if it's a, as if to, it's a real, a true album or not. Cause it ended up being like some songs redone. Some songs got right. done again on Mink Car. It's kind of like this weird in between one, but that, that kind of makes it, you know, kind of like the miscellaneous tea kind of weirdness in a way is that it's yeah. kind of. That helped me jump unknown. off though. That was a nice place to jump off too, though, because like you know, I thought that all the songs on Long Tall Weekend were, I, I preferred those versions over the ones that 
came out later that were more full band. And I was mm. like, okay, I, I'm sure now that full band isn't is, isn't for me. I'm just, and I can just spend the rest of my life just listening to those crazy like Bill Krauss like programs and just just who's just trying to wonder who came up with what and everything. You know, most mm-hmm. of listening to Might Be Giants is me thinking of like, what? How the fuck did this happen? Like, how did two guys <laughs> named John just turn out the same? You know, yeah, I, know right? I love it. It's, yeah, their whole story. <laughs> Story is insane. So yeah, but I sure. I celebrate the band's entire catalog. But I'm only familiar with them up to Long Tall Weekend, like fluent. I'm only yeah. Only so you've only dabbled like digitally. Time. I mean, did you did you mm-hmm. at, at least give a stream to their most recent album, Book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard yeah. everything that they have. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all rad. Like yeah, and Linnell's sad as ever. It's cool. And yeah, <laughs> Flansburg just a silly rock star i love it yeah it's still really cool it's just what i'm like what i totally understand is still up to yeah. up to and including probably long because mm-hmm. they, they are just, still doing weird stuff and i mean sometimes just kind okay. of in different ways like uh there's this song called if day for winnipeg on on book that you would have heard where Flans basically said in an interview that he like discovered like the ring modulator plugin on his <laughs> software. And so like he put like some little keyboard thing that Linnell had sent him like through the ring modulator and then like that was the jumping off point for like that song. Yeah. Which uh it's just, you know, they're still, you know, exploring and trying new things and all that, even, you know, forty they're forty years in at this yeah. point. Yeah, they're pretty wild. They're, I agree. <laughs> now, in 2020, when you jumped on the spreadsheet here, were there even any other flood tracks left except for minimum wage? I don't know how long I, that one. Yeah, actually, I think so. I think there was a there were, but I mean, here's the thing with minimum wage for me: it's not like a it's not like a a mid you know it's not a mid song for, for that for from them for me like it's all the way up there for me yeah. like it's it, it's one of the yeah it's one of the best it's one of the best parts of flood which makes it one of the best parts of their whole oeuvre you know what i mean so like for me it's not just like a i guess i'll do the one with two words in it and a whip crack <laughs> <laughs> i love everything about that song because of it it sums them up as quickly as possible for me which it is, is nice the, little yeah, yeah bite-sized nugget of they might be giants isms yes i think what um, they do i think what they do is so like they're not how to, like they're not like a joke band right but like oh lord no any any you know band, big giant f- fan would uh, would murder you for saying something like that them's yeah. fighting words yeah exactly but i understand why people would think that but the best way to describe them is like yeah they're not funny they're not well they are they're absolutely hilarious but they're just they're not making jokes they're just looking at the problem head on and then just laughing at it they just find existential dread funny and like nobody else really <laughs> does that like that i'm like they understand the gravity of the situation. They really do. But they, they still do. think it's funny. <laughs> I think that's so encouraging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> I, I love that about them. And I think Minimum Wage is one of those songs. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think visually uh, what sums up 
the the whole feeling of they might be giants is the famous the iconic uh snowman warming his hands over yeah. the fire of burning money you know right. it's like, i love it eh, it's like the this is fine <laughs> yeah exactly my partner is a tattooer and they got to do that uh that tattoo one time on a on nice. somebody they didn't even know which is just like nice. that's why you get into that shit because then you could just sit there and nerd out about they might be giants for yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get into uh, discussing the song even further, there's two inspiration points um, for this song. Now, the minimum wage, the hya, and the whip crack, and all that uh, is believed to have been inspired by a song called Mule Train. Okay, so let's say minimum wage. We got Mule Train here. And uh, I had just sent this to you. Did you get a chance to listen to that? I did. I thought that I was, was... going to scoop you because I know that song. And I know that, yeah, the first, like, yeah, uh, that's okay. definitely where that comes from. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I, was, I thought I was going to get to be like, what do you know about Mule Train? <laughs> oh, I got you at the last okay, second. Yeah. Last <laughs> second. I was like, of course he did. Of course he did. So... <laughs> Frankie Lane, 1949. So uh, all y'all be the judge. Hear this and uh, and uh, see what you think. So you got a little less aggressive on the yas, yas, <laughs> but the the mule train, like the sustain of the way he says it. I mean, yeah, I don't think Flans or Linnell have ever confirmed it, but I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of cowboy songs. I'm sure with whip cracks. I mean, like, doesn't the Bonanza theme have a whip crack in it? I don't know. You know, like. Uh, Probably. But it just seems it's mostly the way he sings Mule Train, like that mm-hmm. that seals it for me. Yeah, and it's right at the top of the song. Like right. it, it's like the cattle, it's like it's the calling of the cattle, getting the cattle ready. So that's what any of those songs are based on, right? Like is like the like the sound you make to to get the cattle's attention before you start corralling everybody. Right. So like that right. that's the old cowboy trope. You know, so like that's all they're doing in the song. But yeah, that song, I think, Mule Train, I think, is the, that's like a hit song at the time, you know. So I'm mm-hmm. sure they know that song. If they know all these other crazy little references to all kinds of like super old, strange, obscure music, then then they know that song, you know. Yeah, they really like pull from a very deep bag of references, you know. Totally. Not that they've never referenced something popular, but, uh, they, I mean, the way these guys must just devour, you know, media and and just like they're just those kind of guys that they're like they're always wanting to learn stuff, you know, and like oh, yeah. you know know where things they like came from, like the lineage of uh, you know the arts, and it's it's just crazy when you discover these kind of things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it's why they sound as much, you know, they, they're pulling from something as simple as like, as like universal and huge as like, you know, the Beatles or Frank Sinatra. But then they're also half the time they sound like the fucking residents. You know what I mean? Like they're clearly like right. 
into everything. And I think they're into like that, like sort of like, you know, crate digging, Dr. Demento, find the most outsider stuff you can find and then see what you exactly. can do. With it. You know what I mean? They're yeah. Mm-hmm. Into that singular expression. And you led us right into Sinatra here. Now, here's another kind of <laughs> this. This one kind of blew my mind. This one kind of blew my mind. Did well. Well, first of all, did you know about this before I had sent you the the email? No, I'd never heard that. I've never heard this version of this song. I know like the okay real one. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a pretty big fan of uh, Downtown by Petula Clark. Me too. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's just uh, uh, it's just such a catchy song. It's actually one that I've done with uh, some of my choirs in the past, and like the way sixth graders took to this song, like it, it it shocked me. I'm just like, let's do some you know some oldies. Let's see what they know, and then you kind of find out how cool their parents are or their grandparents really. <laughs> um, you know what their music taste is like and what they've heard before, and they just took to this song. I don't know what it is about it exactly, but they love it, and I've done it like not for performances, but like kind of it's a, um, just a fun song to get going in a, you know, a choir rehearsal or something for years, years. And it became like one where the sixth graders would tell the fifth graders and they're like, we got to do downtown again. I'm like, okay. That's all cool. right. That's cool. But Frank Sinatra did a version of it, uh, on his 1966 record. So it's not even like the, the peak, peak Sinatra kind of later, <laughs> I guess kind of mid Sinatra. It's all mid. <laughs> it's all me. Yeah, it's all me. Hey, you, are you dissing old blue eyes? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I'll just drop this in here, and and uh, everyone take a listen to Frank Sinatra's version of Downtown. <laughs> is making you lonely you can always go downtown when you've got worries all the noise and the hurry seems to help right off the jump that same yeah. snare opening it, it almost sounds like a sample it blew my mind too yeah yeah like i know i kept listening everything. to him back to back um <laughs> yeah the the and then you've got the which I always had thought was like inspired by um, like breaking news, that kind of like news bulletin okay. kind of uh, cliched sound, like like that kind of like uh, this just in yeah, uh, kind of sound, that weird kind of xylophony sound. Now I'm sure in uh, Sinatra's, you know, fully orchestrated by this guy Nelson Riddle, sure, um, was real xylophones. And I, I'm sure on the They Might Be Giants version, it's like a xylophone patch on, uh, you know, Linnell's keyboard yeah. or something, <laughs> right? Definitely. But the, I mean, the exact rhythm, the same two chords back and forth. Now, it's not, I mean, it's not like it's a cover or something, that whole, um, like, like, really is kind of They Might Be Giants, I think, spinning off of being inspired by this version of downtown. Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah. But uh, I was just like, 
holy shit like when i first heard that i'm like no i'm like my life is a lie <laughs> i i was like i knew i always kind of assumed it was some sort of like taking the piss out of something because that song always to me felt like after the giddy up you know then it's yeah. just time to get to work and it always sounded to me like sort of like like muzak you know my first minimum wage job was at a grocery store and there would just be same that kind of like this innocuous just like non-threatening bad music playing <laughs> all day long right. and i feel like that <laughs> the thing i feel like it sounds like it's like two elevator music songs going at the same time like just to drive <laughs> you crazy like the monotony of just you the drive of like work that nobody appreciates you for you know what i mean so i always kind of assumed uh -huh. that it was an allusion to something but i didn't know how i like when i heard that i was like oh yeah i mean it might as well they might as well just put that at the beginning of that song <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. but it is like you said like taking the piss out of something it is taking this like lushly orchestrated you know i'm sure huge budget record i mean yeah i mean floods one of their bigger budget records but like putting in like what are fairly cheesy like synthesizer sounds, right? Like, yeah, like coming people, out of the late like 80s. synthetic people voices. So it's this other yeah. thing of like just like right. you know, rah, 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 people talking at you kind of idea, you know. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, cuz that's I mean that's the the next thing to talk about with this is that, you know, in the podcast, usually it's like, okay, let's talk about a lot of the musical elements. Okay, now let's talk about the lyrical elements. Well, wait, there's only two words, three words if you count. Yeah. So, which you must, which you do. Which, which you do. You do count, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then, oh, but then we do need to talk about the whip crack because this was some creative stuff here. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. the, the way they made the whip crack, the, the cracking sound is um, uh, Roger uh, Montanat, I think is how you'd say it, who... Um, was an engineer on Flood and did a lot of the mixing, uh, actually whipped a wet towel to get the the cracking sound <laughs> of the whip. And then, okay, so as, as if that wasn't cracking enough, the, the wind sound into the crack is uh, Linnell playing a Moog, which is, oh, really? I think, yeah, which, which is, it's nuts. So, yeah. like, I don't know, are you much of a... a do you do, do you do, are you a synth guy? I am a synth guy, yes. Okay, I enjoy so like, the way they sound <laughs> and their versatility. Yeah, so, so my, so my baby is the Juno 60. I don't think I brought it up on the episode recently. Uh, Roland Juno 60 from 82, and on an analog synth, like for people that don't know, like you've got the oscillators that are generating the sound, you can do different, uh, wave forms right you're saying square wave uh saw wave um there's a whole bunch of different ones depending on how complicated of a synthesizer it is but if you basically turn off the pitches right you're not providing a pitch in uh through the oscillators you use the noise you can use a noise gate and resonance and all these filters and stuff like that to get cool kind of wind type sounds sure um yeah and i've first heard those on um well, i mean i guess i would have heard them in this and not known it was a moog but like the rentals first record starts with yeah. all these kind of my big, sounds before it kicks in mine was uh 
Holy Diver by Ronnie James Dio. There's a whole wind intro. <laughs> okay. And and it was done on synthesizers? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my Korg Delta can do that. So, yeah, you just turn everything mm. down. It basically just sounds like static, but you can kind of control it and, and get some Foley yeah. stuff out of it. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's white noise. I mean, that's how you get, like, you can make, like, the laser sounds totally. and, like... My my Juno, like it's got, you know, a patch bank where you can save the sounds you make and like, you know, R two D two. Like when I figured out how to make like R two D two sounds and like all this, like that's all basically a, a synthesizer. You're fucking around with everything, but like the notes, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, all totally. the other <laughs> just just the electricity exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I didn't know that totally. about the, about minimum wage. That's like that's yeah. Flansburg said it, yeah. It was from a Rolling Stone uh, article in two thousand nine, uh, and and Flans said that this guy Roger uh, Montanat, uh, he was kind of revealing his inner jock with that move, his ability to uh, snap a towel. <laughs> yeah. Don't make me run. I'm full of chocolate. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Come here, butterball. Right. Come here. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe they're going to have to edit that out like they've been editing all the Raw Dull books. What do you think? Can you oh, right. <laughs> call a cartoon character Butterball anymore? Ah, uh, well, no, but I'm glad they did <laughs> when they did, you know. Yeah. Oh, boy. I guess it was funny that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, on, on the wiki, it uh, gives us the helpful little um, factoid that Minimum wage when the song came out in 1990 was $3.80 an hour in the US. Mm. I'm thinking back to so we both we both started as uh, grocery store employees. So I was in I grew up in the Chicago Burbs and I guess I got my first job pretty young, 14 I think. I want to say I was making 4.25 an hour. Yeah. Do you remember? I think like five fifteen might have been. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I'm not good with money now, let alone what I remember <laughs> then. <laughs> Under, I mean, yeah, it's that David Cross joke, right? Uh, where he's just like, "Oh yeah, I make minimum wage, legal, legally lowest amount possible." Oh, they'd like to pay me less. They'd like to pay me less. <laughs> Got him. You know that? Yeah, they do it to. Uh... They do it to uh, food service workers <laughs> anyway. Yes, they do. That's a bunch of bullshit right there. I've never worked in the food service industry, but yeah. I know a lot of rock and rollers do. Yeah, for sure. It, it helps you. It helps you travel to get, like, get time away. Uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah. But even even in those states with the tips and everything, then that goes into uh, it can lower the minimum wage for everybody else. Because they they use it to equate it into it. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, there's always a way to make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Flans it has always been one to sing the "I hate my job" kind of songs. Totally right. So, just right, you know, like "Alienations for the Rich." Um, just let me. I wonder if the Aver- okay, even the wiki has a tag, aversion to work. <laughs> and <laughs> aversion, I like that. 
<laughs> aversion <laughs> to work. So yeah, we got alienation for the rich. I mean, there's a lot in here. And men, women, yeah, I mean, of course. Well, right around human resources. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Someone keeps moving my chair. Someone uh, keeps my chair. Snowball in hell. Puppet head. <laughs> Put your hands on the puppet head, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. What else? There's a, there's a ton of them. Yeah. Uh, he quits his job in number three. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all over it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's many. Great. Yeah, so there's there's a, there's a ton of them. Yeah, and uh, I think Linnell does it here and there too, but I, I can't think mm-hmm. of them off the top, of my, top of my head. I always thought of Alienation as as a duo song, but I guess it is more of a Landsberg song, huh? Yeah. Well, we got even even on the the aversion to work uh, page, we've got. So those are central theme, and then briefly yeah. mentioned, we've got yeah. uh, they'll need a crane, right? The boss still hates me. That's the greatest bridge of all time, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's all, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, he's got a good one in there. Yeah, uh, your your own worst enemy. Talking yeah. about getting drunk because you your, your job is to drink. Kiss me, son of God, is the exploited working class. You know, so I think they have an. Yes. I think they have an aversion to exploitation, to being exploited for their labor. I don't think they really have an aversion to work. There's always something deeper there. And there's it's always somebody, it's always somebody's fault, <laughs> you know, <laughs> being uh, underappreciated. And that is true. So I think that like, yeah. you know, they have an aversion to exploitation more than they have to work. Cause they right. work fucking hard, you know, they they're work hustling. really hard. So yeah. yeah, they're not afraid to hustle. It's just, they don't want to do it for other people. And I, you know, All right. The man, the man, man. the man, man, <laughs> Exactly. So I, I like what you said uh, before about, um, well, let's see, I guess I have to paraphrase how you said how it would be, how the minimum wage kind of sounds like something you'd hear at, you know, our grocery store when we're working. What, what did you say? It's like two different Muzak songs layered on top of each other? Pretty much. Right? Like, so, so you have the, you have the, like, midi lounge thing going on which makes it sound Uh like it's over the speakers but then there's the people's voices that are being played they kind of make me feel like it's just more the the humdrum you know Mm -hmm. and then also just the the how it sort of gets discordant like it's it's good well it definitely gets dissonant at least maybe gets Mm -hmm. even a little bit atonal as it goes on and on and on and it just it feels like it has a purpose with its structure like it like it's it's just those little things that dig at you all day you know what i mean like the things that and it's only a minute long song but it feels like it takes forever it just feels like it feels like an eight hour shift you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah the end is especially menacing a little yeah (laughs) it's almost like the jaws theme right and it just ends with somebody just going uh you know yeah <laughs> a, a, a human voice that can't even talk anymore just worn down you know just goes oh yeah so that's good. <laughs> the last <awful>. dying breath <laughs> yeah um i was i was curious on on i don't know how much you've poked around the this might be a wiki but the interpretations tab is uh not something i usually look at before um i do an episode um, but I, I clicked over to it just to see, you know, how creative are people going to get uh, talking about a song with, uh, you know, three, we've decided three words, right? Yep. Um, the very first one, I, I feel like this is, this is a nice point. 
being that it's under a minute, it's basically like being written by someone who's making minimum wage. And this is, you get what you pay for. It's not even a minute long. That's funny. And yeah, I, I, yeah, it, I mean, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And then they say the whip crack serves to underline the idea of wage slavery. Totally. Yes, I agree with that completely. Uh, yeah, I don't know who's singing minimum wage. It seems like the character is very into the idea of minimum wage. Sounds like something your boss would do more than you. You know what I mean? So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I assume the boss is also the whip guy you know so it's yeah. kind of like get to work get along little doggies like that's the joke the whole song just like go grind like go fucking hate yourself just like the rest of that, you know it's yeah right someone else in here does say they 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 say that maybe it's someone who has been out of work and they're so desperate to the point where making minimum wage is you know a success to them, a step up to them, which I mean, that sounds like, yeah, that doesn't sound like something Flansburg would say, does it? Uh, that's an interesting interpretation Mm. though. It sounds like maybe, maybe whoever wrote that, uh, was looking for a writing job or something, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think it's more of the, like iron, like the joke of it, like that David Cross joke to where it's a little bit more like, Minimum, I mean, it's in the minimum wage. I make the lowest amount legally possible. <laughs> and then it, you're supposed <laughs> to be excited about that. You know, you, that's supposed to be a, uh, you know, that's supposed to be something that, uh, you know, works for people. It's a strange, yeah. strange feeling. And I think that that's what's happening to on that. Yeah. And I bet you're, you're seeing this around you too, uh, signs hung up in, you know, businesses, sometimes smaller businesses, uh, saying like, just like snarky signs about how, oh, we had to close an hour early today because no one wants to work. No one, no one, uh, knows the, the honor of, you know, a hard day's work anymore. Or like, uh, hiring signs where it's, you know, like, here's the requirements for the job. Also, like you can't be a lazy bum or something like all this just like really shitty stuff like ba- basically saying that oh people don't want to work rather than admitting that like well maybe if you treated them better paid them more then people would want to work for you i mean are you yeah. seeing shit like that around where you're at yeah definitely i live in harrisburg and uh, i see that all the time yeah it's uh it's that late stage capitalism stuff i mean you're going to see even more of it just people just holding on to those like broken ass dreams and everything you're gonna yeah it's gonna keep happening but yeah it's uh Mm -hmm. it's a i think it's it's a i bet it's everywhere you go Mm -hmm. pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind Mm -hmm. of shit Mm -hmm. hey Mm -hmm. (laughs) y'all pull yourself up so i can whip you (laughs) yep (laughs) now something i found odd is that they never played minimum wage live in the 90s i thought that was weird too yeah so they never played it as a two-piece no i no yeah that's crazy yeah yeah can you can you tell me uh can you tell me if those are are those real drums on the track 
You know, I was wondering about that myself because there there are tracks on Flood that have a human drummer in them. And it's something yeah. that I think I didn't realize for like the longest time because it's mostly drummed in a fairly, you know, precise and kind of mechanical way. Alan Mazzazzi plays real drums on quite a few tracks on Flood, but the wiki does not have him credited on minimum wage, though it does really sound like real drums. Like like you you said you thought it might be a sample, but I mean I A B'd them and it's it's definitely a different tone of snare drum. Yeah. But it really sounds like real drums, doesn't it? I I yeah, but it it does. It sounds like it. But it also, you know, that record has the drum machine that like is pretty good at trying to fake it. So I think maybe mm-hmm. and, and a, a lot of minimum wage in general feels like the settings on it are just like the factory settings just for maybe just mm-hmm. a little, just to make it seem even a little bit more Muzaki. So it seems like they didn't really treat the drums the way they usually do. So maybe they just let them go and somehow mm-hmm. that makes them sound more to the ear, like a, a real drum set. I'm not sure because those snares are so like those rules are so like tight and precise. They almost feel like samples too, but you know, mm-hmm. That's something yeah. that uh, any drummer could do. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah, yeah all, all the all the wiki has for credits is uh, that basically the vocal is Flansburg and everything else is just Linnell keyboards. Yes. Which is a formula for it's, success. That is always a good yeah. thing. Be giant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no guitar, no nope. nothing else. You know, got some... Drum Machine and Linnell on the keys. Yeah. Yeah. Formulas for success for sure. But they didn't do it live until they had a human band. And um, yeah, so the very first performance of it was not until a decade later at the TLA in Philadelphia, November 24th, 2000. And while we don't have that, we have the second performance of it, November 30th, 2000 at the Bowery Ballroom in New York when they did a medley of Hearing Aid into Minimum Wage. So I'll play it here. I'll, I'll snag the tail end, uh, tail end of Hearing Aid into Minimum Wage. Check that out, y'all. Minimum wage. 
What'd you think of that one? Yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Uh, he does. Is that the one where he does the whip sound with his mouth? He just. Oh yes. It. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I like that it's laid back. I thought that whenever they play it, they would have made it. They would have leaned into like the atonal side to it or the stranger stuff, but they play uh-huh. it basically like as loungy as possible. They, it's like this. Like I feel like I understood that song, how that song was put together easier when I heard it live because of, like the layering <laughs> made more sense. Like what the normal shit is going on, and then there's just weird shit on top of it. And before in the mix, yeah. the before in the mix, I was like, it all kind of sounds like weird shit, like just wrong notes everywhere, you know. But like whenever they played it live, it was a little bit more. Yeah, it, it was probably like the real version of the Muzak version. You know, I don't know. But yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was cool, it was cool to hear him do it. Yeah, and it was great with hearing aids because that's another that's another aversion to uh, to exploitation song. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So this would have been the, the band of Dan's era when oh. Dan Hickey was drumming with them. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Dan Miller, Danny Wankoff, and Dan Hickey. Um, I'm wondering who does the whip crack sound. I actually just listened to it again because the the whoosh happens while Flans is still sustaining on right. wage. So yeah, maybe it, Linnell got in there. Yeah, and the I think it's gotta be. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> gotta be. Because I love the idea of uh, of Flansburg being like, "Okay, John, we're finally gonna do it, and you have to do the whip crack." <laughs> <laughs> Linnell's like, uh, "Okay." Let's do it. Let's do the whip crack. Whatever you yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny that, you know, now that I think about it, in, in the studio where they recorded Flood, they didn't, uh, you know, they had to do it with a towel. They didn't have well, what's called a, a slapstick. You've seen the orchestral, yeah. you know, two boards smacking together, right? You've got a whip crack sound right there. Like, you know, any... Any orchestra needs to own a slapstick if they only use it once a year when they when they do sleigh ride or whatever, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it would have been pretty sweet if uh, you know, TMBG purchased one of these um just to have it for that song. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll also call it clapper. <laughs> yeah. He must yeah. Landsberg must have left the whip on the train or something because He's not doing anything else with that tug, and I'd assume that he would be like, then I'll get the whip out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, he's like the kind of thing that guy would do. But yeah, I just like that the other guy just does it with his mouth. Right. He used the giant stick as an instrument. I saw the giant stick. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was great. They used to lug around a giant concert bass drum. Yeah. You know, for whistling in the dark. You know, it seems like, you know, getting a getting a clapper. Yeah. Uh wouldn't be you know it doesn't take up too much uh, room you know on yeah. the bus <laughs> yeah they did the giant stick i think it was in lie still little bottle maybe or yeah, something uh-huh. like that yeah it was awesome that was the stick one yeah and yeah he was just crawling all on the stage with the stick taller than him it was it was really funny <laughs> and then we've got a um an officially released version on the live in australia um album which was a digitally uh, a digitally available album. I think you can still get it. It might be free. They keep making it free and then taking it back and making it free again. Uh, cool. In 2015, uh, they did minimum wage here. So this would have been uh, then with Marty on drums. And I'll drop that in here. This is so then 15 years after that.
this one I'm I'm rewinding a little bit for myself. This one almost does sound like an uh, maybe a sample of a whip crack. Yeah, I'm wondering if like Marty has a trigger for it or something cuz it really does sound like it doesn't sound like a, a clapper. It sounds like a real whip. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. What do you think of this performance? It, it was it was dope too. I I like how they like like I said both of them just felt a little bit more laid back than the album version even though the album version is supposed to have this like easy listening kind of thing to it. But I feel like when they're mm-hmm. like when people are playing the song it just feels even more phoned in and that's pretty funny. So yeah. <laughs> yeah the guitar gets a little bit of extra feature on this one it it, it comes through in the mix a lot on the dee 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 that gets uh some guitar that is yeah. there in the uh studio version yeah i bet that that's flansburg playing those like those like upstrokes too that's in yeah. the verses like kind of getting a little bit so i bet he plays something on it but like yeah you know i don't know yeah it's, it's cool i like or, or it's miller he likes to let miller cover a lot of the stuff <laughs> Plans, yeah, yeah, these days, uh, you know, I'm seeing him live again in uh, March. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. He likes to to kind of do a frontman thing now and then, and just, like, if there's only one, you know, guitar needed, he'll just be, like, you know, hanging on the microphone while he's making, you know, Dan Miller do all the work. Yeah. <laughs> but he also had uh, carpal tunnel syndrome issues that he had surgery for last okay. two years ago. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think he's doing good now. Yeah. Plus, if it only need, plus if it only needs one uh, one guitar, then what's Dan going to do? You know. So yeah. that makes sense as yeah. to why Landsberg would just not do anything. Goof around. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Then we also have from last year, uh, June eighth, twenty twenty two. Uh, so we've got 2000, 2015, and 2022. Let's listen to uh, this one. in a little early on this one it's, it's somebody, somebody whipped premature the whip. whipulation oh uh, no you have one job <laughs> you're fired from your minimum wage job it's a little quiet in the mix too but again it sounds like maybe a sample that, just like a very crisp little but yeah it still sounds like Linnell's using the like exact same it's got that keyboard tone right in that wispy cheesy thing yeah Right. <laughs> righty. Let's uh head to the cover section. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. First up, Jimmy Doyle on Bandcamp. 
And Jimmy Doyle here released an album called November Undercover in November of 2019. We've got a Kill Your Idols track. We've got a Nick Lowe cover. And we've got Minimum Wage and Letterbox combined uh, by TMBG. So let's listen to this. Minimum Wage! What did you think about this one? Yeah, it was cool. I liked it. Uh, I liked the the medley thing into it too. I think this song serves itself well for being an intro to another song. I could see why people would do that because there's only because it's kind of a one as as many different things you can think about with with minimum wages it is kind of a one note joke you know what i mean as far as what the punchline is it's like depending on what sure. you think the punchline is it only does it only does that like it doesn't really stray <laughs> much beyond just getting more silly as it goes you know so mm-hmm. i like i like mm-hmm. what they kind of i like any i like the idea of associating it to another another song letterbox i don't think has much to do with this game and i i like the uh the instrumentation he does here now i was i was like is that an accordion because it didn't quite sound like it didn't have the push and pull like the uh of you know pumping bellows but then i look right. at uh the picture of this guy here and he's wearing a flood shirt he's holding his guitar he's got a microphone with a sock over it for a windscreen which respect i dig that yeah. uh and it looks like a drum machine and then there is a a pump organ there. So that's what it is. I'm like, it doesn't sound like he's breathing yeah, a, a, a melodica. It doesn't sound like an accordion. It's a pump organ. Yeah, it's like an old like Daniel Johnston like air organ, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, oh, now that I've blown the, the uh, artwork up here. This guy's a Aquabats tattoo. Very nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know... Us dorks, you know, we gotta like all these uh, Aquabats roll. Sure. I'm not gonna, not gonna front here. Okay, there is cross. <laughs> yeah. And now, next one on YouTube. Uh, this is by Voodoo Pup. Here's minimum wage cover from five years ago. Here it is. Minimum wage. Yeah.
found that like exact keyboard setting that like the the choir type setting is like dead on totally <laughs> yeah it's like a it's like a it's like a karaoke version and that's what's funny is because like i like this one too because i like the idea of just staying as faithful to that sort of vibe as you can be because you can't do it better you know but i also like right. how landsberg's voice like his delivery is clearly what makes me laugh you know like it, it feels like uh -huh. if it, like if this was the original version every cover one i i listen to i'm like okay what if this was the only version of of minimum wage mm. would i still like it and the answer is always yes because that's still funny but like the uh, <laughs> thing that Flans, like the way he does it and like the timing of the, of the whip and like the way he pulls off of the microphone and everything, like it just like, yeah, this cover, he did a great job with all the music he did. And then it's, he did a great job just using his own voice, not trying to do an impression of Flansburg, but it did make me think mm -hmm. about like just how funny Flansburg's um, take is on that version of the oh, album, yeah. you know, iconic. <laughs> yeah. Next up, also on YouTube here, we've got Tim, Timb, and Josh. Not Tim, Timb. Uh, the YouTube channel silent is Master Timb. The B uh, is silent. And, uh, the B. <laughs> Call one eight hundred Doctorb. The B is for bargain. So Tim and Josh uh, getting a little folky on minimum wage here. I'll drop that in. rooftop jam sessions what'd you yeah, think it, i liked it a lot i it was what's cool about it i like with that goes with the video is kind of like you get the impression that it's like two guys that are just like yeah what do you want to do today let's get warmed up i don't know do you know minimum wage yeah i think so and then you know and then maybe they took 20 minutes to learn minimum wage and then they taped it and that's awesome yeah. you know yeah it yeah. was it was cool yeah it seemed like like just like just hanging out you know what i mean and it very, was very, very casual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I like. Yeah, it sounds cool. I love hearing mandolin's not something I hear a ton in my cover sections. I hear a lot of ukulele, not so much uh, sure. mandolin. So that was cool to hear. And I like how the guitar took the little the dee doo dee doos that I was talking about before. Totally. Uh, so, yeah, very nice there. Tim and Josh. Okay, now on the TMBS, they might be songs posting flood compilation that came out in 2020. Let's then let's listen to Dracula's Necrophobic Actions uh, doing minimum wage. I guess the only minimum wage cover on this compilation. Everybody, let's check this out. <laughs>
So, <laughs> what do you think of this one? <laughs> that's the one for me. That was my favorite one. Uh, I yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> that's what... <laughs> That is definitely that is definitely what the kind of music I was making while I was making minimum wage. Uh, (laughs) It definitely like it felt I got the joke in that way too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pizza (laughs) deliveries that you can play in your stoner band. You know, right afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I really like like. It's yeah, some sort of mix of like '80s hardcore with like yeah, the little sludge kind of element to yeah. it. it's pretty cool. Like a I, like I a Don's Horn, Glenn Bronca kind of like yeah, it's, they know they're. I, I like that they were just like sort of like yeah, it gets atonal, but I'm not going to really bother to know what those notes are. It's just they just keep <laughs> pulling them further and further away from the from like the key of the song. It's it's really good. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I like that. One. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. nice. Uh, and I'm wondering if that was that that may have been a group that was assembled just for the compilation, but I'm not sure, and I'm not sure who's in it because I'm just I know so many people now that do they might be Giants covers, and when these uh, TMBS comps come around, uh, people just kind of like mix it up into the little groups. Yeah, and, uh, I'm not sure who's in that one. Um, okay, so now we have a uh, a pretty unique cover by a band called We Are Number Three. Now, We Are Number Three is um, some friends of mine. We got uh, Ben Bird on guitar, um, Tim on fiddle, and Rachel uh, Rachel Jones doing the vocal. Now, now their thing. I'm not sure if you've listened to every episode of the podcast, but they've come in um, in the past like year with this this cool take on doing so ben and tim do like a lot of old time folk music and ben had this idea to kind of like uh pair up a they might be giant song with an old folk song um that made sense and and mash them up together and i teamed up with rachel i thought she had kind of a cool old uh kind of uh not quite well like kind of like a billy holiday kind of uh, like an Andrews sisters, yeah, kind, kind of, like of the voice. Yeah, that, would, right? that yeah, that would work too. Yeah, uh huh. And so they've done um, a bunch for me. Uh, they're part of what I call the covers crew, where you know they can I'm like I need a cover, and they'll they'll knock one out for me. Cool. Um, they've done some that I guess maybe you wouldn't know that they might be Giants ones as well because they're n- newer. Well, okay, you know, thirty two footsteps. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they uh, combined it with an old folk song. Um, oh, what was it called? Well, their version they called 32 Sandy Footsteps. And so basically what they usually do is they take the folk song and, and the folk melody and they put the They Might Be Giants to the old folk melody <laughs> uh, to kind of mash them up. And so this one was a little different because minimum wage doesn't really have many lyrics to uh to uh mess with and and shortening bread is a song where you'll find it with lyrics and you'll find it uh without but this one uh it's mostly instrumental yeah. for them um but i'm sure you're are you familiar with shortening bread yeah that is that mama's mama's little baby loves shortening bread that's all yeah yeah and but it, it it yeah it goes back. There's even a lot of cool instrumental versions, like the one that um, let me see. I did find one 
right before I talk to you here, I'll just play this over the speakers for you real quick. Check this out. This is Foggy Mountain Boys doing shortening bread. First book, let's do a little banjo picking, shortening bread. Let's see. That's a hoedown right there. Hey, y'all! So, <laughs> so with that instrumental version of uh, Shortening Bread in mind, let's listen to the We Are Number 3, uh, Minimum Wage Can't Buy a Shortening Bread. Here it is. Minimum Wage, yeah! So what'd you think of this? A little different yeah, take. It was cool. It was cool that yeah. And it's Tim on fiddle, you said? Yeah. Tim's a ripper. It sounded really good. It was cool. Totally. And it, yeah, it was so- the same. It was similar to the um to the other one where it was nice to hear like a different version of it, but then it made me think about like how the music to minimum wage, even though it's honestly trying to get on your nerves, is the perfect music that matches with that lyric. Do you know what I mean? So like that right. put the music into perspective for me again too, to be like, Oh yeah, this song is just cool across the board. Like you need both parts of it to make this song mm-hmm. do what it does for me anyway. You know what I mean? And I really like that. About sure. It. And same thing with like, sure, you've sure. been adding the shortening bread line at the end, which was clever. We can't buy you short. That, I even like just adding one more line to that song is just like, no, it's that's all like the, the, the less you say the better you know what I, mean? and I really like that about it too it was awesome it was a great version yeah but it, it, it's just a thing where it just kind of puts it back into your head like a, what a what a really good piece of of funny art uh minimum wage is you know the original yeah versions. sure that's what they're good at. i also will say that that minimum wage really i mean doing an old-timey folk song i mean these this style that was pioneered by you know 
very poor people in you know Appalachia, it it really kind of makes sense to totally. do a song like Minimum Wage. Totally yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's the music of the people. Yeah. And but I like that it, I like the music when it's more commodified like that, like you know how how Linnell does it, where it's it's just, mm-hmm. just boring, just plotting, just nothing. Right. Music, you know what I mean? And I really like that about right. it too. Commercial music, yeah, music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. We are to the scoring section of this episode, so you, my friend, need to go first. Uh, okay. scoring minimum wage within like the TMBG canon pretty much like whatever's a 10 for you where is minimum wage going to fall and you you've, you've already prefaced it with saying you know it's 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 not mid it's uh it's up there not, so what you going to give it it is up there for me it's tough to rank anything for me i'm um i'm going to do but my you must. best but i must <laughs> but i must do it you must in a roundabout way i must get over this i did a little bit of research and uh according to google minimum wage in the state of pennsylvania where i live and the state of indiana uh uh minimum wage is 7.25 an hour in our great state so i'm gonna go ahead and Jesus give this Christ. off i'm gonna i know isn't that terrible and then <laughs> i'm going to give it a 7.25 but it should be higher <laughs> That a very creative way of, of scoring. I, I did not uh, see that coming. Yeah, seven twenty five. What the fuck? That's what Google Christ. told me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing it too here. Yeah. <sighs> Man, when was the last time it went up? Twenty fourteen, maybe. Is that right? In our state, anyhow. I'm not sure. I mean, I know Jesus. that it's been funnier and stranger and more annoying every year that it just keeps not going up. But uh, I could be wrong on that one. Yeah. Hmm. It just seemed like it's been a minute. I don't yeah. know why this shows it only going back to 2018, but 2018 it was still 7.25 an hour. Because mm-hmm. you know the cost of living has not changed at all since 2018. No, right? it's not exactly at all. the same. Oh, sure it is. <laughs> yeah. So I give it a 7.25, but it should be higher, way higher. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's such a I'm going to say iconic again. It's just, it's one of those songs that, like we've said, it's just that encapsulates the They yeah. Might Be Giants uh, feeling in a, you know, a bite-sized portion. Yeah. I'm going to go, yeah. yeah, you know, hmm, I'm going to go... I'll increase minimum wage to <laughs> seven points seven seven dollars and seventy cents. There you go. Throwing a few extra. You're such a generous. Throwing a few extra pennies. <laughs> yeah, throwing a few extra pennies at you peasants. Right, but the uh, uh, yeah. but lunch at work, you know, at the grocery store, you know, that your discount has gone down to make up for the wages that you. <laughs> Man, I used to get chocolate milk and ho hos every fucking t- my fifteen to, minute break yeah. in my four hour shift. I used to get whatever they weren't looking at. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you don't even need well, to you know, you go out the good. door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go into the break room, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't that much of a rebel, I guess. You know, but uh, yeah. So. uh Homeless Gospel Choir. Actually, I didn't you know mention before that there is a slight you know 
you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of way back to the podcast in that uh, I have had Mike Park on the show before. Right. Yeah. I just and saw him. Yeah. I just saw him in Vegas. Uh, yeah. We yeah. were just hanging That's, out. Yeah. He didn't. Go, yeah. yeah. He, he came to the Vegas show so that he could go to a buffet with Derek later because he loves Vegas buffets. So. <laughs> and then we all went out and Mike Park was like, I'm too, I'm too stuffed. And like, so he basically flew to Vegas to, to uh, go to a buffet. It was pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane yeah it is yeah it, i love his you know his episode was uh everything right is wrong again and he was traveling for that he was somewhere officiating a wedding and he covered it on his acoustic guitar from the hotel room oh, that cool. he was at and so so mike park's been on the show mike park is in a band uh, Odin Kubo Station with Maura Weaver, and Maura Weaver is in Homeless Gospel Choir as well with you. So, <laughs> True. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, where should people go uh, to find out more and, and hear uh, the Homeless Gospel Choir? Hear more. They got the taste at the top of the show. Sure. Thank you. Um, they would be do... the best place for them to go. Oh, it's it's all the streaming places to hear it. Um I'll just rip off what Derek always says, which is if you go to the internet, you can find it. Um, (laughs) Make people do the work for you, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, it's streaming places, and you can go to AF Records for some of the older stuff, and then Don Giovanni for the newest one, and the split that we put out at the beginning of the year, too, with a band called Teenage Halloween, and stuff like that. Oh, Teenage Halloween. They're great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, yeah. All right. Is there anything else you would like to plug? You got any other endeavors that people should know about? Yeah, I want everybody you to know. You're in another band. Yeah, yeah. That's Endless Mike and the Beagle Club. Um, yeah. That's the band that I've been in all through Homeless Gospel Fire before it and during and now. Oh, okay. And we're, we're, you know, we haven't done anything for a while, but now we are. And it's been great. It's been super fun. And we'll probably have stuff out in like the spring. Stuff on AF Records starting to come out. So we're excited about nice. that. And yeah, they're all cool. And there's like a ton of people in that band. And it's basically like the most amount of, you know, they might be giants nerds you can get outside of a concert for them because all of us are obsessed with them. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, if you'd want to, uh, you know, there is precedent that I've had uh, full bands on to do an episode. Pet Symmetry was on the Boss of Me episode, all three of those guys. Um, so if, uh, if, you know, Endless Mike and the Beagle Club, if, 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 uh, you want to get a bunch of them on a call sometime down the that line, would, we can that do would be, a big party that episode. Would, that would be chaos. And I would love that. Yes. Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> it's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. Just, you and know, yeah. And like some of us, it. yeah. And some of us are into them up to right now. So, you know, we don't have to stick to just the old songs. So yeah, we can figure it out. Right. Yeah, we'll get one of those real fans to pick the sonnet. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was implying. The yeah. lifers. The lifers. Yeah. yeah. I kid, yeah. I kid. Uh, 
And uh, with that, yes, people can find uh, This Might Be a Podcast all over the place, of course, on the internet, right? And if you want to give me thoughts, uh, this might be a pod at Gmail is a good way to do it. Or you can leave me a voicemail at 224-801-2930. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. And with that, I uh, I think that does it. Matt, thanks uh, for being patient and uh, agreeing to still do it after I dissed you for so long waiting to come on the show. Thank you for reminding me that I reached out to you (laughs) so that we could do it. It was really fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.